You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money with Brenthurst Wealth. And from Brenthurst Wealth this week is Magnus Haystack Senior. Magnus, Afrox is going to delist from the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, the JSC Securities Exchange, excuse me. And I was reading about that and I did a couple of interviews on the general process, not on Afrox in particular. But somebody said the JSC is now an irrelevant exchange that is only in existence because of dual listed stocks and Regulation 28. In a way, they may be correct with that rather forward and brash statement. I saw that statement and I and I was surprised that someone had the guts to publish that. Mm, me too. Because, it's, it, it, because it seems to be moving in that direction. If you look at the number of companies that have delisted over the last 15 to 20 years, I think we're down from about 600 companies in the year 2000 we're down to 350, and there's another 10 or so companies who have already indicated that they are going to delist in the near future. And then you hear rumors and whispers about a lot of companies that just could not get their you know, ratings up, that they're also quietly looking at delisting or moving their listing to another jurisdiction where there's a bit more action. So, yeah. That is true. Uh, that unfortunately is there is an element of truth about that, and also Regulation Twenty Eight, which keeps the pension fund money in South Africa. Exactly. Um, Maybe we should expand upon that because you've been very vocal and made lots of enemies with pronunciations on uh, Regulation Twenty Eight. Maybe we could go through it a bit for people that are not familiar, the people that are just starting their investment careers. What is Reg Twenty Eight, first of all, and how does it impact on the pension industry? Well, everybody who joins a pension fund, whether it's a retirement annuity, pension, provident fund, and even a preservation fund, has to adhere in terms of how you can spread your assets between the various asset classes. And the current Regulation 28 was kind of formalized in the year 2011 when Treasury and the big insur- insurance and investment companies sat around the table and said, guys, how are we going to control the industry? And, and there were a lot of issues at stake. And essentially, they, they decided that there are certain guidelines that pension funds and or advisors must use. In short, the big um, sticking point is the at that time, it was 25%. It's now being pushed up slightly to 30%. That's the maximum you can take offshore or have in your portfolio whether at group level or at individual level. Now, that uh, 10 years ago, that seemed to be a fair allocation to offshore markets. The balance has to be invested in South African markets, and then there's some further differentiation between equities and bonds and cash, yes. which I won't bore you with. But essentially, the what has happened since then is, is, is twofold. What is overseas markets, and in particularly the um, uh, U.S. market has just rocketed away and the South African market and also some other emerging markets have gone sideways and in the last five years, five years has actually gone down in real terms. Now, that's, that's uh, uh, having a massive impact on investment returns. And I've done some number crunching and I, I, I've been writing articles which I've been saying for the last five to seven years, very few people in South Africa 
have had a pension that has actually grown faster than the inflation rate. Now, that's a big statement, but it's all there. So, so in, in essence, everybody's pension fund now buys 30% or so less than five years ago. So, Reg 28 controls how much you can have offshore. And, uh, and, 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 and so, now now's the problem. How do you get around it? You, there's very little you can do. There's some, some pretty smart moves you can make while you're in an RA or a pension fund. But by and large, you're stuck until the age of 55. And here comes the point. At the age of 55, if you can get your money out of a pension fund, which you legally can, one-third of it, and move the balance somewhere else, you should very seriously consider doing that. And this is where my comments um, seem to upset a lot of the established players, because basically that means they will lose that money. It'll go somewhere else. It'll go to a cheaper provider. Right. It'll go offshore. It'll go into asset swaps. So they're picking, putting up a very firm resistance against this line of thinking, calling it irresponsible and and ridiculous. But it makes very good sense to have a hard, long look and saying, let me get my money out, yes. get my one-third into my pocket, and the two-thirds I can then reinvest a, on a platform where it's much cheaper, and secondly, I can, if I wish, I can get 100% offshore exposure, which has been a very, very good strategy to follow. I would have thought that the big insurers and the other big investment houses would say to themselves, well, if you can't beat them, then join them. And if there was a dismantling of the current structure, the Reg 28 regulation, then they should set up something to allow people to say, right, well, if you want to do that, you can do it through us and we will be competitive when it comes to costs and we will uh, be able to help you with the uh, the overseas exposure that you're seeking. So rather than just uh, poo-poo the whole thing, it's get with it and do something about it. I agree with you, but I haven't seen much of a, I mean, Old Mutual, I know, has taken a stake in 10X, which is a, a, a disruptor on the retirement funding, but 10X only allows you 30% offshore with when you move your money to a living annuity. You know, the kind of, the kind of management fees that the big companies make on the, existing pots of money in pension funds, RAs, etc., is so lucrative. We're talking about management fees of up to 6%. Hmm. Now, the minute you pull that out, you can move it to a platform where you pay maybe 0.8%, 1%. So there's a lot of money at stake, and there's no question that that's why they're putting up such a big resistance. They know what funds they have under their control and they know how profitable it is, but it is not profitable for the suckers who have money in those funds. I saw a statement today from a client who wanted to pull his money from PPS. It was a million rand, and he wanted to pull it out, and they, they applied 100,000 rand in exit penalties and fees and unpaid commissions, which is it's outrageous. today's world criminal. Yes. But uh, they are still there and they're just hanging on to that money for dear life. Okay, clearly you want a shake-up. Clearly there's an establishment that doesn't want that shake-up. What, what would you do? Would you abolish it altogether, all sorts of foreign exchange controls, whatever's left, dismantle it all and see what happens? And if that happened... No. Which, no sorry, go on. 
Now, in an ideal world, we would like to say, yeah, scrap all foreign exchange and invest where you can, but that would have a massive, massive disruptive effect on, on our local financial markets, our stock market, our currency market, our bond market. The, 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 the disruption will, will be quite substantial, and I, I, don't, I don't see that happening overnight. But I do think that the, the offshore exposure should be increased marginally, maybe 35 maybe 40% mm-hmm. to give people a bit more scope. But to scrap it, no, that's not going to fly, and, and I don't, I'm not saying it should. But once you reach the age of 55, you can decide. I think you're old enough at that point in time to decide where you would like your money to be invested. Yes. Okay. So how, what would you do? Would you do it gradually or would you, as you just suggested, to go from uh, the current level up to 35 or 40% just to get people used to it and just to get the establishment used to it and give them the ability to adapt? Is that the way to go? And then in a couple of years' time, go to 50 55% and so on. Well, you know, there are many ways to do it. I mean, ideally, you'd like to increase it gradually over time, or alternatively, you you can, as one of the options, you can you can um, offer some people um, a bigger exposure and, and for themselves on an individual level, but not on a group level. But uh, that's not going to happen in the current climate, Lindsay. I think that the Treasury is watching the outflow of money from the JSC. I mean, I've, I've, I've updated my numbers this morning. Yes. The outflow of, from the JSC this year alone is 122 million, a billion rand, 122 billion rand. Right. And from the bond market, it's about minus 30. So that's a huge number. Taking the cumulative outflow since 2015 to about 550 billion rand. Now that takes us back to why a lot of companies are delisting. There's just too much money flowing out of our market to better exciting markets, and hence companies feel they're not getting a fair price for their company because the the, the main thrust of money is out of the country because they're chasing the fantastic yields on the NASDAQ and the, the S&P 500. And you can't argue against it. It's, it's night and day. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, we've got the MTBPS coming up tomorrow, Magnus, the mini budget. And it's going to be a difficult one for, uh, for Tito. What, what do you want to hear from him? It's not going to be difficult for Tito. It's going to be difficult for the taxpayers. Mm. All of us are going to be caned. We're going to be smashed. Uh, there's just, I mean, the coffers are bare. You know, you, you, even Tito himself has said it's going to be a very tough and unpopular budget. And when your Minister of Finance says that two, three weeks before the time, you know it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt on all levels, on, on income tax and possibly VAT, uh, company tax, wealth taxes. We're going to have sin taxes. So we're really going to see the brutal reality of how broke we are because I don't think government is going to start cutting back on on, uh, on, on, on spending money on, on wages and salaries for the civil servants. Uh, and that's where our biggest problem lies. I mean, the numbers are just it's just an appalling state where you have 1.2 million people being paid approximately 60% of all income tax that is collected from personal income taxpayers. It's just, you just shake your head to how we got where we are at the moment. So that is going to hurt very, very much if, if you're an income taxpayer.
Okay, so something not to look forward to tomorrow. But obviously, we we and particularly you as a financial advisor will have to pay very close attention to what is said tomorrow, and you know, you'll be adjusting things uh, accordingly, I would imagine. So next time we speak, we'll probably be talking about that MTBPS, Magnus. Thanks so much for your time. As always, that's Magnus Haystack from Brentos Wealth, and that was it's my money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.